Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hi, I'm Dan Pramac, and welcome to Axios Recap where we dig into one big story. Today is Friday, June 25th. Odds for an infrastructure deal are up. Odds of tax hikes for the rich are down. And we're focused on America's falling birth rate. Early last year, lots of us were talking about how America could find itself with a post-pandemic baby boom. And that feeling seemed to be confirmed as the pandemic progressed when we read tons of media coverage about new parents stuck at home. But it might have been a media mirage because we were actually in the midst of a baby bust, not a boom. Last month, the CDC reported there were 4% fewer U.S. births in 2020 than in 2019, and the lowest number of annual births since 1979. This marked an acceleration of a years-long trend because the U.S. birth rate has been going down for a while, just not so suddenly. Why it matters may depend on who you ask. Conventional wisdom has generally been that it's important for generations to replenish themselves so that elders can be both provided for and cared for. But there's also a more modern school of thought, that the real issue isn't how many babies are born, so much as that we've set up a system of social supports that relies upon that number. Plus, plenty of environmentalists would argue that fewer new humans is better for the planet. Either way, the CDC's findings have gotten plenty of media attention, including again this week, as we all wonder how the pandemic might have permanently changed society. So today we want to go inside the numbers and what they tell us with the CDC's Brady Hamilton, who co-authored its birth rate report. But first, I want to ask my colleague Hope King, who's reporting on this issue, how our economy and our birth rate are intertwined and whether they even should be. I'm joined now by Axios business reporter Hope King. Hope, how are the birth rate and our economy intertwined? At a very basic level, we need people to work, and our economy is driven by work. It's driven by output and productivity and the things that we create. People need to buy. People need to to, to sell. At a basic level, we need people to run the economy because we need people to work. We need people to be consumers, and we need that to keep going in order for countries to survive. Are we in some ways asking the wrong questions about our economic systems if a stable or growing birth rate is the only way to sustain our economic systems? I think that's a question a lot of people are asking right now, because every time a report like this comes out, the headlines are inevitably, while population growth is slowing. Yes, that is the headline. But I think the more important question to ask is, what are we doing around the changes? So are we focusing on the right economic systems to support the changing population population growth? For example, if we have slower population growth, we might need to focus more on healthcare for the elderly. We need to focus on these different products. Or are we encouraging women to have more children like they are trying to do in China? So I think these are the more important questions rather than just focusing on the pure absolute number and direction of people who are having children or not. On that note of encouraging family planning for more children, what does our falling birth rate tell us about how we do and don't incentivize people to have larger families? 
I think for the most part, wealthier nations have seen family creation slow down because women are seeing opportunities outside of the home. They are choosing also not to have children or to have families. And I think that is a big question for economies. And should we be encouraging women to do so while there are other countries who still have stable or not declining population growth? And is there a way that we can move some of that labor into the country? But we also know there's a lot of political sensitivities around labor migration. Hope King, thank you very much. Thank you. In 15 seconds, we'll be back with my conversation with the CDC's Brady Hamilton. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We're joined now by Brady Hamilton a statistician and demographer at the National Center for Health Statistics at the CDC. So Brady, this report you co-authored, what does the data tell us about what happened during the pandemic? Well, the data shows that for the provisional number of births for 2020, there was a 4% decline between 2019 and 2020 in terms of the number of births. On average, there had been a decline over the last six years of about 2%. I should also add that When we looked at this decline in the number of births in 2020, we noticed that there was a decline across all the months with greater declines at the end of the year. And comparing the first half of 2020 to the second half of 2020, we saw a 6% decline for the second half versus a 2% decline for the first half. How do you read or how do you interpret that there was a larger decline in the second half of 2020 than in the first? The obvious factor that comes to mind, of course, is the pandemic. You have to bear in mind that we're looking at a lag in the the impact of about nine months, the duration of a a pregnancy. The full impact will take some time to sort of play out if, if, if there is an impact there. And we're very much looking forward to seeing the data for uh, 2021, where you'll have the bursts that were, would have been conceived during the height of the pandemic start to actually occur. So we're looking into that and focusing on that. If you look at the last pandemic from a century ago, that time period had a lower birth rate too. Are we just seeing history repeat itself? That is correct. I should also point out too that when it comes to our data, that our data comes from the birth certificates and it provides a lot of detailed information about, for example, births to small groups or small areas. And it provides a very rapid way for us to look at the the potential impact of the pandemic on births. But there are some uh, drawbacks to it. For example, we don't have the detailed information about the decisions that people were making at the time, you know, if the pandemic did impact births, how exactly did it occur? We can't really answer those type of questions. That relies on surveys. You first published this report in early May, but it got picked up again by outlets this week, which seems to tell us people are just fascinated by birth rate trends. Why do you think we as a society care so much? It certainly is a perennial issue that that people uh, find fascinating. And the report that was released just this week went a a step beyond the report that was released uh, earlier and the fact that it looked at the change in the number of births 
not just simply for various race and Hispanic origin groups or the states, which it shows, by the way, for 2020, for the second half of the year, verse declined for every single state. And it was only non-significantly not declining in only seven states. Why would you say that birth rate matters? Because of the long-term impact of the number of births. Uh, these are these, these these declines in the number of births are going to affect, for example, um, people who run nurseries and daycare centers. It will affect school systems as th- these cohorts move through, the, you know, the the uh, basic education system uh, levels in terms of grade school, middle school, high school, and of course, once this cohort moves out into the job market, you'll also see an impact there. So it's it's sort of like throwing a rock in the water and watching that ripple spread out. What's the most interesting demographic trend that you saw inside that giant 4% decline? I think the most basic one that comes immediately, uh, that's immediately apparent, which is seeing that decrease by month progress through 2020. And we are very eager to see what happens as we move into 2021 in terms of the number of births for January, February, March, and thereafter. And seeing does this decline continue? Uh, The largest decline, for example, by month was December. It was 8% down. And what will January show? What will February show? Um, And going through the year, uh, because, of course, again, there's this lag. So the the, uh, the decline in births that we saw in December, those are conceptions that occurred nine months before, right when the pandemic was starting to hit. So we're interested in seeing what's going to happen when the pandemic towards the middle of last summer really reached a peak. Your report shows a decrease in older women births, uh, namely women in their 30s and 40s, which had been something that had been increasing over the past several years. Why does that matter? Well, it's interesting. We have seen a general decline in births to women in their peak childbearing years, 20s and their 30s. And we've seen that for some time. But we've all, we generally have seen an increase in births to older women. This is uh, reflecting, for example, postponement of birth due to, you know, the demands of uh, education and income. But between 2019 and 2020, the rates for older women also declined. And that was quite striking. Uh, the only the only groups that didn't change between ni- 2019 and 2020 were for the very youngest age groups, 10 to 14-year-olds, and the very oldest, 45 to 49. But they went down for all the other ones. And that kind of stands out. And again, what we see continuously with all of this is this picture of a decline, a broad picture of decline in terms of the upburst to the age groups, of the different race and Hispanic origin groups, of the months, and of the states. So it's really quite broad in terms of its impact. What's the most important takeaway someone should have from the research you've done? The most important takeaway is this, uh, that we saw in 2020 a 4% decline in the number of births, whereas before, for prior years, it's averaged about 2%. So that is quite notable. And this decline occurred for all the groups, for all the states, particularly high uh, for the second half of the year. And if you look at it by month, the decline gets greater and greater as you go along. Brady Hamilton, statistician demographer at the CDC, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. 
and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Welcome back. What we're watching is Washington, D.C., where President Biden yesterday announced, quote, we have a deal on infrastructure while surrounded by a bipartisan group of senators in the White House driveway. But here's the thing. They don't really have a deal. Yes, Biden and a group of Republican senators did agree to a $1.2 trillion spending package that includes money for improving things like bridges, roads, waterways, and broadband. But they didn't agree to any of the more social infrastructure that Democrats want, like childcare centers, or the tax increases on individuals and companies that would help pay for it. All of those priorities are supposed to be in a second bill, which Biden wants passed without GOP help via the so-called reconciliation process. And Biden was pretty explicit that the two bills need to go hand in hand. In other words, the White House will only support the bipartisan package if it also gets the Democrat package, something that Lindsey Graham this morning tweeted was a deal breaker. The bottom line, infrastructure week may never end. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Naomi Shaven, Sabina Sangani, and Alex Sugiara. Please be sure to leave us a review or send us an email at podcasts at axios.com. Have a great national catfish day. We'll be back on Monday with another Axios Recap.